Uh, this is not a paid sponsorship, but uh, uh, from the Flat Rock Distilling Company, right down the road from where we are today is the day. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, because we watched Wish. Star Crash. Salut. Gambe. Oh, it's ass. Oh, God. <laughs> hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You candy asses. Woo-hoo. Yes, I am. We've talked about this. Speaking of candy asses, Alan, Alan how's your summer going? <laughs> My summer's going great. Dude, that stuff is awesome. <laughs> yep. I mean, it, it tastes like hairspray. There's nothing like drinking at 3.30 on a Wednesday afternoon. Yes. Get, yeah. Get up close. Put your mouth on it, Clink. Oh, God. Today, we're going to be talking about a 1982 film, I believe. Yes. Made-for-TV movie. One of the best this worst movies TV? of all time. Yes. Oh. One of the best worst movies of all time, I'm going to argue. Mazes and Monsters, starring the one and only Tom Hanks... And then some lady from uh, Hitch, uh, she was in Hitchcock's uh, Psycho. One of the mothers mm-hmm. was from Hitchcock's Psycho. This movie, I'm so excited, Alan, because this like feels like to me, this is your life. It's D and D and college parties. Oh, I can't put um, this on. But uh, I did I pick this film? I kind of just yes, threw this did. on us, right? So um, yes, this is a movie that I've brought up multiple times on our podcast. Um, it. You know, Alan, you're a D&Der, so we're going to talk about that stuff. This movie, it's really weird. It was made to, I guess there was a, uh, I, I did some digging into the history of it. There was like a, a person uh, who went, uh, a college kid at Michigan State, actually, uh, who went missing in 1979. And some of the stories that were told was that he was gone because he was D&D in, in a cave and... James Egbert the third, if I remember right, he had a really name very suitable to JJ in this uh, particular movie. And this is a story about four young college kids who get caught up in a web of of fantasy, and it blurs into reality, and leads to bad hat choices. Uh, also Very hat choices. tragic hat choices. Very tragic hat choices. Um, and I don't know, Alan, what do you know about this movie? I mean, you, as someone who's played D&D forever, you have to have heard of this along the way. So, uh, Rona Jaffe, uh, who, as far as I know, I, I, she wrote some other books, but uh, Mazes and Monsters was her attempt at D&D exploitation. And it came at a time when D&D had just started getting really popular and a bunch of uh, both parents groups and Christian groups and sometimes Christian parents groups. (laughs) It was very hard to tell them apart. They decided that D&D was bad. And generally, D&D was considered to be bad because of the story of this James Egbert III, who supposedly disappeared into the tunnels underneath uh, Michigan State, which it turns out he didn't. He uh, went missing for a while, and uh, eventually the uh, PI that was hired to find him found him. And uh, I believe he committed suicide later on. Yeah. So still a bad story. Wow, yeah. But um, as far as the tunnels underneath and the whole D&D thing, all of that were all of those were just red herrings. Although it turned out that that was the only thing that the world wanted to hear about. So this became a urban legend in the strictest sense uh, in that it became a story retold many, many times and it gradually drifted away from its original source and just became valued for its story and eventually became mazes and monsters uh like maybe a year or two later and uh this is the peak time of the D craze uh the initial D craze when it was uh, especially being played at colleges so it had a uh, reputation that uh then translated into this I've only played Dungeons and Dragons twice in my life. Um, 
Alan, can you tell I me? I only what... lived two days of my life when I wasn't playing D anD D. So, <laughs> can, can you explain to me what D anD D really is and why it has this? I'm surprised people still play it today. Like we've got, we've got college kids that are still playing it today. Uh, it's about devil worship <laughs> and oh, evilness, Satan, and, and witchcraft. Amazing. And amassing power through murder and all this other stuff. Yes, and all right. paganism. So D and D is still being played to this day because there was a major transformation in the hobby. Uh, right around probably it was the nineties when more story focused games started catching on, and D and D has never fully embraced the whole more narrative style it's always what we call a simulationist game it, it, it D&D is a bunch of rules and you can use it to tell a story but you can also use it to just kill a bunch of figurines on a map uh you don't have to have a really rich story going along with it um but there was a big transformation uh or in the 90s focusing on more story-based games this got picked up by some people it with the most recent edition of D&D. And uh, we saw a bunch of podcasts, actually, that were very uh, informative and see, in people seeing how this game is actually played. So we had a lot of focus on story, a lot of focus on role-playing, a lot of focus on doing doofy things. And all of that is missing from this. Because at this point, it's just a bunch of rules. And, and zero focus on getting laid. <laughs> yes. Uh, you can and, get laid in the game, sir. Uh, can Roll you, Alan? the dice to see if I'm getting drunk. Yes, you can. <laughs> really? It's not generally. Just don't roll a nat one. You'll be fine. <laughs> a what? What, is, what are these things? What is that? And that one is a critical failure. And if you fail critically, then either what you did, depending on the DM, the dungeon master, it, what you you fail on can either hurt you, hurt your group, or um, actually just be a super, super bad consequence. Two things there, then. Clint, you play d and I have. Yeah, you look like a and deer. What uh, does that mean? I mean... <sighs> You're wearing a helmet, dude. <laughs> Uh, Alan, I thought it was hilarious. The dungeon master, dungeon master sounds pretty freaking cool, right? Like I'm the DM, I'm the dungeon master. Uh, in in this game, the uh, dungeon master in the world of mazes and monsters is called the maze controller, the MC, <laughs> the MC. What? The original MC. Drop Just like it like me. it's hot. I'm the MC, yo. You are. I am. Here, let's this drink to that. Really need, yeah, this game so really needed a hype man. Clink. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maze controller. Every time I heard that, I was like, "Wow, this is terrible." <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> Ooh, it gets better. I can uh, breathe fire now. <clears throat> Ooh, I unlock the ability to breathe fire, like a Goreville, or Gorville? whatever the hell that thing was. Yeah, yes. that was the monster that Tom Hanks saw. So we'll get back to the movie eventually. The weird maybe. foam creature. Yeah, like the movie starts out kind of cool. You know, it's got flashing red sirens, and then there is the exposition Ooh. is actually disguised by your uncle. Yeah, my uncle's in it. So That's I'm watching awesome. this, and I hear the voice, and I'm like, that voice sounds familiar. And then I see him, I'm like, oh, my Uncle Tommy's in this. So Did you call him and tell him we're podcasting? No, he's dead, unfortunately. Oh, fuck. <laughs> he's, he's been dead for a while. Now. Sorry. But um, he is a Canadian actor. He actually starred in a Canadian sitcom. He was in comedy. Strange Brew. So what? Which I saw in his credits, he was in Strange Brew. Yeah, he's in Strange Brew. He was also in a uh, sketch comedy show called uh, Bizarre, where um, Super Dave started. If you guys know what Super Dave is. Yeah, Dave Coulier? No, that's a different Dave. That's that's Uncle Joey. Super Dave Osborne, if I remember. Yeah, that's right. He was like Evil Knievel, but funny, right? Yeah, and then the other, the little um, claymation. Oh, no, uh, I forget his name. Mr. Bill. Mr. Bill, yeah, is on. Started on Bizarre too. Amazing. Um, my uncle also did some bit parts on the '67 Spider-Man series too, which is awesome. Yep, I saw that really? he was on the voice cast. That's yeah, he awesome. he was a cool guy. Like, I, did I didn't you meet him. Yeah, I I didn't really know. Did you sit on his lap. Anyways, I didn't really know that, that that side of my family very well. A sweet moment ruined. Thanks, Vanderpool. That's I came here to do two things: ruin everything and drink rye. Speaking of drinking rye. Jesus. You don't have to drink. <laughs>
I'm not going to. You don't want one more? No. Just one more. What peer what, pressure? One more for your I uncle. heard about this. What? I heard about this in school. This <laughs> what, is peer pressure. One more for your Garrett uncle Tom. Garrett told me to say no. One more for your uncle Tom. That's it. I'll pour. I'll make That's it. That's peer pressure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but I don't this, know. this movie's all about peer pressure, though, because Tom Hanks' character uh, oh, Robbie does not want to play uh, Mazes and Monsters because he because had, it had previously gotten on gotten him into trouble, and he didn't want to fall off the D and D wagon. But then, uh, two well, one guy and then a pretty girl, which that kind of blew the whole reality for me. Like, pretty girls don't play D and D. Or maybe they do, Alan. Do, do they, Alan? Have you ever had a pretty girl in your doing group? No offense, pretty girls out there who play D and D. Yes. Or any girl That's who plays D and D. Okay. Because so. I mean, stereotypically, you got usually the guys that do it, and and maybe some females. In high school, our group was entirely guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they peer pressure Robbie, aka Tom Hanks, into participating in Mazes and Monsters, and then he um. It's kind of odd. They've got this story about his brother running away when he was little and his parents, or at least his mother, being an alcoholic. And that has led to some type of psychosis somehow. So uh, you might have heard of a little movie called Ordinary People. Uh, no. It came like two years prior to this. Um, if you've ever heard Pachelbel's Canon, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if, if for anybody who's actually seen Ordinary People, Pachelbel's Canon is like a crushingly depressing song. And there's nothing in the actual music that that it, it, that creates that response. It's just its association with this movie. And uh, the big thing is that a, uh, a kid drowns, if I remember right, and his surviving uh, brother is like all mentally messed up and he ends up going to see Judd Hirsch in his days before taxi and uh and it's all touching and shit it's all about uh, family <laughs> trauma and everybody has a dark secret and it's very it, it's very much like the uh, more sentimental parts of this movie but then it took ordinary people and then made it a dumb exploitation movie Speaking of taxis, this movie has that big, huge-ass credit scene where they're riding in the taxi with a drunken camera operator, accompanied by the worst song ever. Well, when you said this was made for TV movie, then that clicked. I was like, why is this so bad? Like, the lighting is horrible throughout this whole thing. The music is very much early 80s. Late seventies or late se- or seventies in particular. This is, this has yeah. a lot of holdovers from the seventies. And so I thought this is just a normal movie. And then when you said made for TV, a lot of things made more sense. Uh, remember Although the, the movie good itself times. is in the future. Wait, what? how far in the future? Is this a in time travel movie? Eighty-seven. Okay. Really? Yep. Uh, the uh, at one point JJ looks at the bottle of wine that Robbie brought. That's right. And says 1987, great year. And obviously Whoa. pointing out that it's like from last year or something like that. But apparently it's in the future. I Either that or he was just saying that the wine hadn't even been made yet. It's so bad that it has. Yeah, been- I thought it was like a joke on on it and not. Which could yeah. be, but. I I like to take Robbie very or sorry uh, I like to take JJ very seriously despite his stupid hat. Uh, his hats are amazing, sir. Hence the hat that I have right now or the cap. It's a combat helmet. Did you did you notice uh, antique mall, sir, or antique shop? Clink does Clink in his spare time does some amazing things. Um, the hat stuff is kind of weird though because the first helmet uh, he's wearing is a German World War One helmet. Alan, you you illuminated complete me with on. complete with spike. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then he's got like that 1950s style cap that my grandpa had for a minute. Then he's got an aviator's cap, I believe. Yes. But then there's also some scenes where he doesn't have a hat. Yeah, and I thought that was I didn't know th- was there significance. I thought that was just... significance there because the first time you don't see him with a hat is when he's the game master. Or no, no. The the maze control controller. Is it his hollow? Is it his Halloween party where we see him without? Oh, the, he's uh, got the person. the construction helmet on. Yeah, construction helmet. He's got Halloween a tuxedo party. on, but then he has a construction helmet, yep. a yellow construction helmet on. Because he goes as Noel Coward there, if I remember right, weirdly enough, which is interesting. Uh, they're coding JJ is gay. Really? What? Yeah. 
Notice that he's the only one who doesn't have the uh, hots for Kate. No, he does. Uh, no, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. There's the the scene where he figures I'm going to go kill myself, and that's when he finds Robbie at uh, Kate's uh, room, and he's upset that Robbie's in Kate's room. Yeah, he's upset that he found Robbie in Kate's room. Anyway, wait, what? Um, I didn't put that uh, together. He goes as Noel Coward to a college costume party. He's saying something. What is Noel? That's Coward? my theory. I don't know who Noel what, Coward is. What is that? Uh, he's a super gay playwright. I thought he just had a tuxedo on with a, uh, a construction. No, nope, he says very specifically he went as Noel Coward. Oh, okay. Uh, and it's a real throwaway line, but I think that's what counted as representation in 1982. Well, yeah, <laughs> he's uh, it's since you couldn't since they couldn't have him be I don't know like Charles Nelson Riley or something. They could have had him like Lamar from Revenge of the Nerds, so oh, so transparently stereotyped. Um, but anyway. Uh, or, we, we, or, loudly telegraphed his love of Liberace or any yeah. number of other things that everybody knew but nobody wanted to admit. It starts out though, Mazes and Monsters starts out as JJ's story. Right? The first mm -hmm. half is all JJ. It's it's got yeah. the the first character that we meet is JJ. He has that big huge conversation with his mother about how she changes his room. Uh and then the the second half converts to Robbie's story. Um right. but it's it's odd. It's it's just odd. And the second half of this movie, when it does become Robbie's story, even though Tom Hanks' acting is better than I remember the last time I watched it, the second half of this movie is just got awful. The it, first half I can actually handle. The yeah, second half is just ridiculous. It doesn't make sense. No. It's uh, it, it's listed as a psycho thriller. Psycho thriller, really? That's I I I found it on Pluto TV, uh, the free app thing, and it said it's psycho thriller. So I'm watching this. And I can see the second half trying to be a psycho thriller, but not doing a good job with it just because it's still kind of, ha ha, even though, oh no, I think I killed a man. He's like calling his ex-girlfriend because he broke up with his ex-girlfriend because he wanted to be a holy man to find the great hall, which is his brother. And then he kills a man, he thinks, because he comes out of the psychosis and then he goes back in and... I want to remake this movie because I think we could do a better job. We should. We should. Like we could do a much better job. Because it, well, it you guys could. I feels could. like they should have started with Hanks' character and made it about him the whole time. The, the whole switch between JJ because JJ wants to kill himself and all these other things. It just it's two stories that don't actually blend well together, even though they feel like they should. I don't know, Alan. What do you think? Uh, I agree. Uh, the movie very much feels like it's going to be JJ's story initially, and then it abruptly changes over. Especially since he has the um, the the dramatic hats, like uh, uh, changing almost every scene. Like it, he's got this this character quirk about him. Well, and he's a child prodigy, JJ. Which I didn't notice that until they actually had to say it that he was sixteen. Yeah, but they say that early on, right? He looks a little younger. He yeah. does. And the, hats, and the hats are him really trying. So he's, he's <laughs> got a 16. Yeah, yeah it, it's kind of got that, uh, I just thought of this, that real genius feel with regards to uh, fish out of waterish type thing, right? Young mm -hmm. prodigy goes into college and doesn't fit in and then gets into some hijinks. But then again... He wants to kill himself, which I think probably, Alan, what this suffers from is trying to be too close to the story of of uh, of the third guy, whatever his name was, um, and, and being too much of a morality play. Is that what this is? This is a morality play? I don't see it. Oh, it's def there's definitely an element of morality play here because it's this game will mess up your life. I, I Stay saw away. It, I saw it just as a story of a, a, a troubled youth, not necessarily this game uh, mess up your life. I, I think it was more about spoiled rich kids. <laughs> like really, if you if you if you go through, so we we introduce each of the four main characters, and they're all four. I'm sorry, their problems are fucking bullshit in the oh, grand right. scheme of things, right? Like, mm -hmm. but each of them have has a conflicting relationship with a, a parent or their parents. Um, then they go off to college and they want to escape 
the reality of what their parents want them to be or the world that their parents have created for them. And they go into this game world where they can be what they want to be. And again, it's almost similar to like what we talked about with other movies like Supergirl and everything else. The exploration of creativity and individualism fucking leads to... uh, Your destruction. Yeah. It did seem like this movie tried to do a little too much. Like it it could have been... Twice as long, possibly, with all the story hit it was like, marks. It was like Taxi, the TV show, combined with Taxi Driver, the film. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I would best describe it. Like, it's silly, and there's lots I of taxis kind, in it. I did kind of expect the the uh, the Joker to show up. Oh, the, uh, <laughs> so what they could have done instead was instead New of York showing scenes. instead of showing the real life Tom Hanks show his character going through these these um, quests. And you're kind of rooting for him because you think it's, it's part of the like his imagination or part of the, the movie. And then he comes out of it and you find out he's in New York and he accidentally stabbed a guy. And then he goes back into the quest and he's not really so may, really playing off of his point of view instead of his friend's point of view. Because then that could be more jarring. The fact that, oh, ha, 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 I just killed this monster. And then all of a sudden he comes back to reality and, oh, no, this monster is this dude that's just got stabbed in the stomach. That would be crazy. I'm looking at my notes, <laughs> and 50% of my notes are about JJ's hat. Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> well, the monster, the Goreville, so Tom Hanks basically loses his connection with reality when he gets, they separate in the cave, and and he must be afraid of the dark or something triggers PTSD, right? That's, that's what he's having, a psychosomatic episode, right? I think is what you'd call that. I think it's his uh, separation from reality that came, uh, that is hinted at that might have been his reason for stopping Maces and Monsters to begin with, that he's fallen off the wagon hard and uh, this is the result. And the effects of the Goreville, which is the monster that he uh, uh, fights in the cave and then is the... Uh, his visualization, hallucination of the the mugger, I guess that's attacking him in the street. Yeah, um, that those, that effect is horrible. Well, the, the, oh yeah. the, it's almost as bad. It's just a baby step above Star Trek when uh, oh, uh, Gorn fought the Gorn. Yeah, 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 yeah that, that was bad. Like, it's just a baby step above that skeleton from the lab with a flashlight. <laughs> yeah, wait, but, a flashlight or a yeah flashlight anyways so no the the the, when they first introduced that that monster though in the in the dark and it comes out of the dark yeah that was really good i thought because that was kind of scary kind of jarring because you weren't expecting any sort of monster monster. and yes and then they actually show it in in somewhat better light even though this is horribly lit the entire time uh and it does look bad but at first it was really kind of jarring like oh my god what 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 is this like I didn't think I thought first, haha, it's somebody in the costume. And then when I saw it a little bit more, I was like, oh wow, this looks like an actual monster. Is he going to actually fight an actual? And then they showed it. Really this well. this entire thing is lit with a spotlight. Did you guys notice that? <laughs> Jeez, horribly. Yeah. Sometimes not even with a spotlight on where it's supposed to be lit. It's just kind of off to the side, and we're supposed to have some ambient light come over. Yeah. It's just horrible. Yeah. Do you have any? I have one quote. Do you guys have any quotes? Oh, I've got plenty of quotes. Sweet, because because we'll 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 uh, reset here. I didn't even introduce us. We just got into it and started drinking. Um, Mike Vanderpool, Michael Clink, and Dr. Alan Barris were here because one night I watched Star Crash. Whoosh. And we decided to go on this merry adventure. We got together. I peer pressured Clink into coming on this adventure with us. I was bored and didn't have anything we else better to do. We're exploring cinema. And we like to talk about uh, what the movie was trying to do and whether or not it accomplished what it was trying to accomplish. What the fuck moments, or I'm sorry, WTF moments. And then we also talk about quotes. We do. I have a question for Alan, though, before we do the quotes. Okay. Questions are good, too. Alan, you are a English guy, correct? A purveyor of stories. Yes. Okay. He so, knows words. He, <laughs> he uses big words. You do the thing with the things. Um, so my question, because at the very beginning, what's her name? Kat? Yes. Kate. No, Kate. Kate. Well, Kat is the mom and Kate is the okay. girlfriend. 
Kate wants to be a writer. Kate wants to be a writer. And she says at the beginning of the movie, she can't write because she hasn't lived yet. And then her mom says, can't you use your imagination? Now, my question for you, Alan, is can't writers use their imagination? Or are, wouldn't writers be able to use their imagination? We would have to ask George Eliot that. George Eliot. George Eliot, the uh, female author of uh, who went by a male pen name, who uh, argued throughout her career that the power of imagination was the novelist's key tool. And uh, her books are terrible. So, <laughs> no, you kind of need to know something about life. Uh, as somebody who's taught uh, freshman English, for a very long time, well, actually, second year kind of English, almost sophomore English, um, students who come straight out of high school and have no life experiences have nothing to say. Okay. Students who have even a little bit of life experience are so much better and have so much more to say. Uh, if you don't actually have life experiences, you write about the experience of being a writer. So did Stephen King? Did Alan? Yeah, and Stephen King can only do that so often and still have it be interesting. Did did, so. did Alan just say for kids to do drugs and stay, stay out of school? Is that what he just said? That's what I did. Um, That's what I hear. I am I am afraid that is exactly <laughs> the advice that I gave them. I maintain that this is why I am not a writer right now. Is that I went to school and did not use drugs, <laughs> except Alan. marijuana much later. But anyway. Uh, I have a quote oh, before geez. we go down that rabbit hole. And I feel like, Shirley, you would agree that this is the quote of all quotes for this podcast. Beware the sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was actually thinking of that as a yes. tagline. I can't remember where it came from. I wrote it right next to the maze controller. I'm, taking notes on my phone sucks, dude. I don't know how you do it, Clink. Uh, it's easy because I have these check marks and I can just check it off. What the fuck is that? What app is this that? This is Samsung's. I don't know. Their note app. Wow, dude. I did it in my Slack. Yeah, I know. I say that. Anyways. Why, do why, why do I have not touching Kate as a note? Because <laughs> he was going to be a holy man. And yeah, so he, and, wants, he oh. wants to be with her, but he can't touch her because he has to purify his body and then his mind. That's where the sacrament comes in. No, that comes in earlier than that, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's even it's even stupider than that. Wait, no, it's when um, the skeleton comes down and they're about to touch yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. Beware of the sacrilege, as yeah. if sacrilege is a uh, thing within. The oh, game. I, I just learned something. We'll save that for later. No, Remind me. Okay. Thanks. I. Oh, the cave is made out of styrofoam. By the way, it's well, really bad. <laughs> yeah, that's why they have the dark lighting because <laughs> they don't want to show it. My what? my quote yeah. is, and I want to make sure people understand that this is wrong. I thought it was like Mr. Spock from Star Trek. No feelings. Mr. Spock from Star Trek has feelings. Yes. His culture suppresses them. They go through the, what's called the colon R and through the moment for the day. Yes, it's called the colon R. Go ahead. Go Wrecked ahead. Him. <laughs> Damn, you're killed him. <laughs> And then Daniel goes through Pon Far and he <laughs> yes. gets his lady. <laughs> Except he doesn't have to fight for the death or anything. That's good. Well, yeah. He's got little skinny arms. He's not <laughs> Holy shit, Shirley. I have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, Star Trek, yo. Live long or prosper, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> no! Clink on three drinks is amazeballs. That's all I have to say. <laughs> oh, oh, Alan, what quotes do you have? <laughs> I am the maze controller, delivered in that incredibly weird, stagey, chanty way that they and they all introduce their characters in the same way. It's terrible. Is is that how um, it is in real life? How accurate is this no, to real D&D? Okay. God, no. <laughs> don't they try and be more organic? Like when you're actually meeting somebody, you don't say, I'm this and I'm a half this and this and level this and... I have these things. These are creatures. Yeah, most of the time these days we try to get around that awkward moment and we have the players already know each other. So, you know, we can get on with the story and not eight years of introductions to people you supposedly have adventured with before. So when they go down to the cavern, first off, going back to the cavern, sorry. Um, uh, JJ discovers the caverns or thinks about the caverns because he wants to commit suicide. Because... 
I thought he was upset that Robbie was in Kate's room because he likes Kate, but I guess he's upset that Robbie's in Kate's room because he likes Robbie. That's my theory. Okay. But it is not an endorsed theory by this movie. Okay. But he talks about going in the caverns and going out epically, like a legend by committing suicide, just not normally, but committing suicide in these caverns. If these caverns are closed, who's going to find him? And how are they going to know he killed himself? This movie's stupid. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the bottom line, dude. Because he's going to die wearing the biggest hat ever. <laughs> yes. And they will find him. Like one of those have Sunday caps, Sunday have, hats that, that women wear at churches. Have, yes. Have you ever been to the top of a building in a city? It's windy as all get out. You, you can't. There's, they don't let you jump. No, they don't let you get on there anymore. Yeah, exactly. Well, maybe this, this was. This, the roof was closed in this, though. So when he d- they he does go in the caverns and figures out oh this is a great place to go to actually and then he has the idea of making mazes and monsters in real life isn't he just talking about LARPing isn't that LARPing yes uh, my comment is I propose that we LARP yeah uh, and he also hijacked Daniel's game which I will point out is a rude ass bitch thing to do well I, he I, is dead so I, it's not like they can play the game anymore they I even said that I didn't fully understand that Alan explain to me what happened there when they're playing the game and in order to change the game JJ does something I don't even know he yeah, he sees an obvious trap and he jumps in without checking for traps. And of course, they don't bother rolling or anything. I don't. I don't even remember if there's a dice roll in this thing. And uh, and uh, JJ's character is slain instantly. And this is seen as like a horrifying moment. Now, um, to understand this, D and D now is more of a shared storytelling experience. Even the more rules-oriented, fight-oriented games are still more interested in cooperation and things like that. Back in the day, uh, it was largely seen that the DM was trying to kill his players (laughs) and that the player's main responsibility was staying alive. And that's something that the anti-D&D crowd really picked up on, this idea that, oh, your your only goal is to amass treasure and to become more powerful. What could possibly be more satanic than that? So that is getting played up here quite a bit. The the idea that you can win D&D is all over this the idea that and the idea that uh the level of your character is a level of skill too this idea that oh can you play at the ninth level what the hell does that even mean well Uh, isn't it mean they're they're confusing character level with the skill of the player which only makes sense if we see this all as a elaborate attempt by the dm to murder the people who are playing well doesn't the skill the the level like ninth level doesn't that mean that they can unlock certain things like there are certain oh, they're, level they're monsters and stuff. yeah yeah exactly but but the player doesn't get anything and it takes no more skill to play at ninth level than it did to take play at first level ultimately so do you take your well uh, when you had characters, because you're a DM now, correct? Oh, Ron? I've, I've, I, I'm, I'm still playing. I've, I've got a, I've got a, I'm, I'm playing in one of my high school pals' uh, D and D groups right now. Do you take your character from game to game, or do you have the same character you've been playing since high school with? Or oh God, no. Oh, we've got some recurring characters that we keep kind of bringing back. But as far as the idea that you would have this character that you have played and you have treasured all the way through, uh, not really. That's like uh, the, the there community. used to be, there used to be a lot more of that in uh, back in the original D anD D, but since then, yeah, uh, you get to the end of a campaign, you're done. That's like you, the episode of Community with the D anD D. So going back to the mazes and monsters, pounce on and the <laughs> mazes and monsters and the D anD D anti D anD D groups, they were upset with people amassing wealth and power. Yes. Uh, that was seen as satanic, in addition to uh, the demons and devils in yeah. the game and magic and all that other stuff that they also didn't like. Were these but, same uh, people uh, pro-communist or anti-communist? Of course. So these same people were pro-capitalist? Yes. So yes. What is cap- isn't capitalism? Yes. 
<laughs> Don't think too hard, Clink. <laughs> oh, I need another drink. <laughs> hey, why does Tom Hanks run like that? It's bad. Like I don't run where in the in the streets of New York. Well, no. When he starts running at first, when he's doing his jogging just for like physical activity, he's got his. He's not Forrest Gump running. He's very much just running with his arms out. Doesn't know what to do with his hands. I don't know. It just. It was very distracting. <laughs> really, I don't remember. I don't remember. Anyways. All I remember is the first time I saw this, I thought the acting was horrible across the board, including Tom Hanks. When I watched it again last night. For the second time this week, third time this week. Oh, jeez. It gets better every time I watch this. <laughs> it's not that bad of a movie. Hey, Vanderpool, I have a question for you. Hey, Clink. If you get lost in a cave, what do you do? Scream. Do you, sc- do you just go deeper in the cave, hoping to find the way out? Yes. Because <laughs> that's what Kate did. And that was annoying. Like, what? seriously? I, I lost all track of what was going on in the cave. Yeah. But I think that's how it's supposed to be. I think this is a good movie. You're supposed to. There's only one really bad thing in this movie, and it's that that stupid Remember Me song. (laughs) Everything else is okay. I bet if you took that song out of... The the song appears three times. Mm -hmm. Uh, Once at the very beginning. uh, It might appear more than three times, but really pronounced three times. Once at the very beginning, over the credits. Yes. The opening title sequence. Almost immediately there in the next 10 minutes, we hear it again, and then end credits. And it is the worst fucking song of all time. It was sad. It, no, it it's not. It's, no, it's, it was sad no. at the end. No, it's not. It it's was not sad at sad. the end. The end was no. sad. I, w- I was sad. You, did, the, did the ending make you sad? A little bit. Well, it didn't help that they had the inside of the Twin Towers scenes. Oh. That made me sad, too. I was like, oh, God, okay. I mean, obviously, they didn't know at the time, but watching it from our lens. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> Did you notice at the very end, Tom Hanks very much leans out with his center when he stands. <laughs> he had those short shorts on too. So I have a question. One of the things that we do on Because You Watched Whoosh. Star Crash is talk about, and we haven't done this for a while, so we're going to re-spark it. Did this movie accomplish what it set out to do? Did this movie keep kids from playing D&D? Is that what it set out to do? Yeah, 100%. After school fucking movie, dude. Is this an after school movie? 100%. This is No, it was seriously, it was this. This was CBS trying to get people not to play D&D. I think. See, it's interesting cuz I think Rona Jaffe is a little bit better than a rank propagandist as she has uh... been accused of my um and by my gaming brethren for all of these uh, decades now. Uh, I do think that she did want to write something a little bit more complex, but I do think that the marketing of this movie and kind of its reputation as it grew over time was definitely the D&D will kill you movie. Well, look at the last line of the film that Kate gives about how this there's no more hope in the world than everything else, blah, blah, blah. Like... That Robbie right. never recovered from this and whatever. I mean, it's a very... This movie has a sadder ending than... I told you it was sad. Old Yeller. Uh, I've never seen that. Uh, I've, never, I've never seen Old Yeller, no. Don't watch it. I'm not going don't to. Don't watch it because you'll... Spop, you'll pop, 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 spoilers. No, no, just there'll, there'll, there'll be a lot of onions being cut around you. But Alan, um, <laughs> what do you remember this from back in the day? Uh, I don't remember it from back in the day. I only watched this uh, substantially later. I didn't play D&D until, let's see, that would have been about 1984. Uh was probably when I started getting the books. <laughs> That's I was the year 10. you were born? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> baby face, Clink. He was such a baby yeah. face. All right, so uh, in 1984, I got um a few of the D books and it probably wasn't until i was like 11 or 12 that i actually uh was in a place where i could play it um and by that point a lot of well the the uh the 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 peak of anti-dnd had already passed but there was still a lot of anti-dnd sentiment out there uh, as experienced by my friends later on in the next few years um so I do think that uh, I, I found out about this movie much later on. I think I didn't see it until I probably I was in college and we watched it definitely from a camp standpoint and from a camp standpoint, it's kind of boring, 
because it's not sweeping enough. It it doesn't quite have the mommy dearest level of melodrama yes. to yes. really ramp it up to make it a genius movie on that count. But it is very. But again, I was struck this time by how similar it is to Ordinary People. I th- um, I think I went through. Uh, a similar kind of movement where in the early 2000s when Grand Theft Auto was kind of getting popular, Grand Theft Auto 3 and then uh, San Andreas and Vice City, that's when they had a big anti-video game movement. I mean, there was a right. big one when it actually, when video games first came out, but then it came out again because of the, the ultra-violence that are in video games. It's just like Eminem said, it's the parents wanting to blame something else other than their suckiness for why yeah. their kids are what they are i can't remember what song i think it's renegade with jay-z i think that's that's the uh killed song. jay-z on that one too that was good he, he was better than jay-z you on think that so one. yeah never been afraid to say what's on my mind at any given time or day because i'm a renegade. renegade never been afraid to talk about anything 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 word <laughs> you know what's funny this is a total not is non sequitur the word alan uh yes. what i didn't realize until i started looking at my uh music history when I was younger, before I wanted to be a young black kid, I wanted to be a young Jewish kid. Why Jewish? The Beastie Boys. Are they Jewish? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You didn't I know did, that? No, I didn't know that. I'm Jewish. mad that they're they're alternative. They're considered alternative. Yeah. I'm not happy about that. Especially when they ripped off Zeppelin. It's kind of like well, classic I mean, rock more than alternative. Yeah. Anyways. Anyways. So moment that took me out of the movie. Ooh. Two of them. Like a, a WTF moment type kind thing? Kind of, but not really. I didn't have any WTF moments, Alan. Well, I had none. I, I mean, oh, so the first one was when they... The beginning of the movie is them at the place, uh, at the cavern, trying to figure out where the kid, the missing uh, JJ, or not missing Robbie is. So there's a flash forward. Flash forward, yes. yes. Right. And then towards the end of the movie, we get back to that point. But yeah. how we get back to that point is... We are on top of a, of a what is a police car or a um, a fire engine or something, and there's a there's a, a siren a siren light there, a flashing light. Yes, and that just reminded me of Police Squad or Naked Gun. I was expecting them to go through like a, 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 a what was it a swimming pool or a, yeah. a go-go dancers, and I'm like, oh, I love the Police Squad uh, angle. And then the second one that took me out was when they pulled up to JJ's family home in new york and there was an open spot mm, right in right. front of the entrance in new york I'm like there is no way that spot is just open for them i know this is a movie but that just took me out of like no this is not realistic at all i had, sorry i had zero wtf moments really? probably because i wasn't paying attention to <laughs> so uh a few things number one uh there's a real throwaway moment uh, yeah, I think it's the first shot of Robbie in New York. Uh, there's a marquee behind him and Slayer's playing. Yeah, I saw that. Mm, because they made now, kids do bad I things too. I checked on it because I thought Slayer had formed a little bit later, but it turns out they'd formed in 80, I think 80 or 81. So uh, it is possible that that was just an accident. But Slayer was another one was part of the anti was another part uh, group that was targeted as part of the whole anti Satanism thing because of course Slayer always had a very heavy uh, satanic component of their stuff um, and again on purpose and uh, and generally just for artistic reasons I don't think anybody in Slayers ever come out as actually interested in the occult but um, did the fact that they're there is a very interesting little move I don't know whether it was just an accident or whether that was placed there to just add a little bit of the whole anti-satanism thing along with this but it's the only moment in which that would have happened weirdly enough there's no ministers in this delivering anti-dnd bromides we don't get we don't really get the religious argument here and we also don't have any demons or devils show up in the game either uh yes we do we have that giant monster that's made out of foam 
that that's like that wasn't called <laughs> yeah, a Gorville. demon or a devil. Oh, that's that true. was yeah, the, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean that, that it wasn't a wasn't a like a type two demon or anything like that. It was a uh, it was just a monster. It was yeah. like a manticore or something that you just randomly run into. And then the dragon, the subway. Yeah. yeah. So like, but nothing, nothing directly tied to Satanism or what right, would be seen right. as which the was, occult. Uh, which again was a big complaint that people had at the time. You can you can argue for paganism though because the holy man people against Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Although weirdly <laughs> enough the holy man is is still mostly Christian anyway. Uh the entire idea of course of a vow of chastity and all of that That's true. Uh, is definitely more Christian than otherwise. There was oh so with the Slayer thing similar again to the the against violence for the GTA in the early two thousands was uh, parents also against because there was a lot of school shootings happening and there still are but really kind of started off in the early two thousands was um, against Marilyn Manson uh, Eminem and other I think that was the main two kind of targets uh, uh, Marilyn Manson <laughs> Marilyn what? Manson in particular gets targeted yes. and in 99 and 2000 uh it's right around the time of the columbine shooting yes that that uh, and then really peaks and then eminem kind of gets targeted too because he talks about yeah. it because he's trying to be uh what am i trying to say he's trying to be uh, uh edgy and so with that then he's going to get some attention that way and then obviously yeah he's going to get targeted that way and, too and also what uh what label was eminem on at that point aftermath Okay. If you have not seen the HBO docuseries, um, oh geez, I can't remember the freaking name of it now. The one about uh, Interscope Records and Eminem and Jimmy Iovine, it's phenomenal. Oh, no, I have Oh, I wonder if that's on HBO Max. It's got to be, it right? It could be, yeah. Worth watching. From what I understand about the Satanists nowadays is they're not necessarily for Satan. Of course, they say this, but they're not necessarily for Satan, but they're just against any sort of religion. Or Depends sort of the, on the group. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the the Temple of Satan right now. I'm trying to remember. Is it the? I'm blanking because I've got a bunch of their mugs actually. <laughs> um, the uh, the group that wait wait, wait do the he, mugs hold, actually hold stuff? Because I don't think that that's very Satanist that they actually do what they're supposed to do. He's and actually, oh no, they totally do what they're supposed to. Well, do. that's not that's not Satan, isn't it? Because they're supposed to be like evil. Ha ha ha! You thought it was a mug, but it's really not a mug. It's got a hole in the bottom or something. Not a mug. <laughs> um, it's. Uh, That'd be I'm that'd really be a dick move, <laughs> right? What is it? Here's a, here's a bottomless cup of ale, but it's really a bottomless cup. <laughs> and it, it falls but there the are there are satanic groups that take the whole Satanism thing more seriously. Um, back in the day, the Temple of Set was a little bit more oriented towards that, and they got they got implicated in a lot of uh, satanic panic, uh, child uh, molestation slash child killing incidents and i don't think that was ever proven uh supposedly uh their founder was at the presidio in san francisco and apparently there was there there was a bunch of uh of accusations made uh around that time i don't think anything came of it um then anton levey prior to that of course founds the classic church of satan and levey uh, was very much a follower of Nietzsche. Oh, that makes and, sense. And okay. uh, it was sort of like if you took Nietzsche and you combined him with a sideshow barker. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the the Church of Satan was a very performative organization. It was all about being bad uh, to a much greater extent than, uh, like, say, Aleister Crowley back in the day. Um, the idea was that... Um, you wanted to freak out the squares by being bad. And uh, the, the probably the best example of uh, LaVey's Church of Satan is the fact that Sammy Davis Jr. for a short time was a Satanist. What? And later on, he said he did it to get chicks. Is this before or after Sammy Davis Jr. turned Jewish? Uh, I believe before. Okay, I, think I was about his, to say. I, I don't remember because I think his conversion was later on. Because if I remember right, I think he... he like converted for like ever i think he i think he stuck with judaism yes. as i recall yeah i so. think so too yeah 
Um, but I think it was after that. Mike, did you have something to say? I'm gonna I'm gonna quote Eminem from the song <laughs> Renegade. So there's seven different levels of devil worship and horses' heads, human sacrifices, cannibalism. What? No, that's something else. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> here, this is Eminem from Renegade. But I'm debated, disputed, hated, and viewed in America as a motherfucking drug addict, like you didn't experiment. Now, now, that's when you start to stare at who's in the mirror and see yourself as a kid again. And you get embarrassed. And I got nothing to do but make you look stupid as parents. You fucking do-gooders. Too bad you couldn't do good in marriage. That's this That's this movie in a nutshell. Yes. Yeah. But again, it seems like it comes in waves. So I'm not really too sure what the wave is now, but it was the D&D. Social media. Okay. Because it was D and D. All of the parents bitching on social media about their kids being on social media. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they're on social media more than their kids uh, are. It's yeah. pretty. Yeah, I go to I go to uh, when I was going to karate back in the day. I'd sit there and watch all the kids doing karate. I'd look over at their parents staring at their phones. I'm like, you motherfucking hypocrites. Mm-hmm. Anyway, although weirdly enough, a lot of the uh, a lot of the child the child abuse slash child abduction fears of the 80s have been repackaged as QAnon now. There was... So we we are seeing a lot of the rhetoric of this time period coming, blasting back at us. Everything in, comes in waves. The, um, in terrifying the, new ways. Do you guys remember the made-for-TV movie? Because that's exactly what I thought of kind of out of this. Uh, I know my first name is Steven. No. Remember that one? That was another big, huge child abduction. He was gone yeah, for yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 10, yeah. Oh, 20 yeah, years yeah, 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 yeah. and then now comes I, back yeah. and yeah, I know my first name is Steven. That kind of fucked up everybody's world when I was a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Because it was the idea of, hey, what, seven, it was gone for seven years. Hey, you, you're, you live in a nice, peaceful town, but you know, somebody could come and take you and abduct you and... It's the very complicated uh, conversation we're having about um, human trafficking at this point, too. Yeah. A lot of the very real concerns about human trafficking have been repackaged as either QAnon or as uh, or as weird uh Watch your children, or else the gangs will get them. So before we go down that rabbit hole, <laughs> this is the whole thing. What did you learn, Clink? Anything? I I wrote this down actually. Did I you? learned that the maze is our troubled past, and the monsters were man all along. Where the fuck is that from? <laughs> is that from your brain or yes, some bullshit? It's from my brain. Oh, so bullshit. I okay. made it up. <laughs> Al, what did you learn? I learned that Pardue was a lame-wad cleric, because every cleric I've ever played has been more than happy to slay the evil and does not worry about trying to talk to it. You just kill it. What did you learn there, I actually learned what I learned here and now and not from the movie. Oh, okay. So remember when I said uh, we, we talked about being in the cave and then the skeleton dropping down and then not touching it because of the sacrilege. But where the sacrilege? Yes, I learned that you shouldn't touch the bone. So I, I would be concerned if these weren't popping up because then we would have a problem, wouldn't we? Are we talking about the bone or the podcast? <laughs> We're talking about the podcast. Oh, okay. I don't know what you think you're talking about. I was still thinking about the bone. Because, I mean, if this lasts more than four hours, then we do need to, you know, seek medical attention. <laughs> that was that was bad. That was a bad one. I should have that one. Priapism, yes. <laughs> What the fuck? Alan, we can't go a goddamn podcast without you bringing up some word I got to look up. We almost made it. Priapism. What? No, there was a couple of times in there no, that I didn't know I what he was talking about. I knew every word he said, but no, what the fuck's a priapism? Look it up. Fuck. I, I, from, you know that from, condition that they warn you yeah, about from at context the end of the commercial? That. Yeah. That's priapism. Priapism you ever is having your a, blood? No. It's having a boner that show. won't go away. They have to, they have to drain it. <laughs> The blood. The blood. <laughs> it's blood? It's blood. 